Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of the Energy Central Power Perspectives podcast, where we bring into the podcast booth leading voices in the world of power and utilities to discuss the challenges, opportunities, and trends they see as transforming and modernizing our energy systems and the utility industry of the future. And a quick thank you to West Monroe, our sponsor of today's show. Now, let's talk energy. I'm Jason Price, Energy Central Podcast host and director with West Monroe, coming to you from New York City. And with me, as always, from Orlando, Florida, is the Energy Central producer and community manager, Matt Chester. Matt, I'm really excited to welcome today's guest to the podcast, as he's one of the rare utility lifers in that he started working with the utility as a lineman over 30 years ago and has, in those decades, worked his way up the ladder to become VP. Specifically, our guest is the VP of Economic Community and Business Development in Ameren, Missouri. Matt, when you think of business, economic, and community development for a utility, what comes to mind? Well, Jason, typically it sounds to me like a job I would expect for the government to try to attract new businesses or maybe local trade groups who want to ramp up activity. And honestly, before chatting with our guest today, I wasn't terribly aware of the importance of these activities from the utility perspective. So. You know, because of that, I, I'm really just eager for him to uh, peel back the curtain a bit for us today. Yeah, likewise. So, well, I'm sure our guest today will provide some key insight into what this critical arm of the utility business operation does. I anticipate we will have much to discuss in limited time to cover it all. So, without further ado, let's welcome our guest, who serves in the role of VP of Economic Community and Business Development at Ameren, Missouri, Patrick Smith. Welcome to the Energy Central Power Perspectives podcast. Wow, thank you, Jason and Matt. I appreciate the warm greeting, and I'm excited to be with both of you today. Uh, it's a good day today, and I'm looking forward to a great conversation. Well, fantastic, and we're thrilled to have you here. So, Patrick, let's jump in. I'm intrigued by your title of Economic Community and Business Development. What exactly is the role, and are you wearing three different hard hats on your job? Well, hey, Jason, I'll tell you. In moving into this role, I was intrigued by the title as well. And as you mentioned, I'm a journey line worker, and I actually started my career as a meter reader. So other than maybe a year as a strategic analyst, I spent my entire career in operation. Seems like maybe since second grade almost, but it's been a long time. And my efforts were you know, influencing and focused on the performance engine of the organization and doing the things to execute on the uh, deliverables associated with the energy grid and along with things that uh, optimize our performance and practices, you know, to ensure we were cost effective. Now, in this role, in this, and this is what I really like about it and why I jumped at it, it's because it's all about growth. I mean, you mentioned three different hard hats. It's more like five, but it starts with understanding, and I'd like to just touch on this briefly, three core tenets of Ameren strategy, investing in rate-regulated energy infrastructure. That's one. Two enhance regulatory frameworks and advocating for responsible energy and economic policy. And our third is optimizing our uh, operating performance. And we like to capitalize on these opportunities to benefit our customers and shareholders. And we, we land in that pretty heavy in the group I'm in. So in support of this strategy, the title of our department is Community Economic Development and Energy Solutions. And I'll, I'll talk about that as CETUS for short. It's a long title. But our core deliverable in the uh, energy space for our company 
is customer affordability. So we talk about growth, but what we're delivering is customer affordability. We're designed to do this by generating new net revenue. And we do that to offset these company expenses and putting downward pressure on the revenue requirement for all customers. This enables Amherst, Missouri to continue to invest millions in grid modernization. You mentioned that with the reduced rate pressure for our customer base, and that's key. So I mentioned in the uh, strategy, enhancing the regulatory frameworks, and it's part of our strategy. And we did just, let's see, back in 2018, we achieved regulatory reform with our Senate Bill 564. It resulted in us creating an infrastructure investment plan dubbed the Smart Energy Plan, heavily marketed here in Missouri and uh, really successful. And we actually just secured a measure of stability in that execution of that plan here in 2022 uh, with the passage of what we call Senate Bill 745. So it was an extension with key enhancements. So the seat is functioning and really getting into the nitty gritty of uh, how we deliver the affordability. And I'm gonna say this really quickly, but it's in five, and I'll say it, five fun and exciting ways, helping drive economic and community development in Missouri and the bi-state region. Number two, influencing efficient electrification, especially just like everyone else in the transportation sector and promoting the adoption of beneficial electrification. We're initially focusing on space, water, heating, and cooking. Three, facilitating the build out of renewable energy resources, uh, mainly solar in my particular lane. And then uh, four, driving the continued evolution and effectiveness of our massive energy efficiency and demand response programs and with some of the energy supply concerns, demand response is front and center. And then five, developing new products and services for our customers. And this is uh, really aspirational, but in a regulated market, it can be challenging. So those are the five things that we call ourselves doing and we try to focus on with my group. So certainly not a dull moment, I can imagine. <laughs> not at all. Yeah, not at all. All right, so let's unpack some of that. I want to make sure I end, you know, we all understand and appreciate all that you've just said. So as a regulated utility, you have this natural monopoly privilege, which is the non-competitive nature of your business. And you're always working to deliver the best product to keep customers satisfied. And of course, regulators content. But if you fall short, it's not like a customer can just, you know, switch and, and you lose market share. It's a bit more nuanced than that. Talk us through that, please, given your role that you do. That's interesting. That was interesting for me as I began to mature in organization and learning. Ameren, as a corporation, uh, has about 2.4 million customers. We're split 50-50, Illinois and Missouri. Illinois is a retail choice state. So we have some awareness of, of operating in a deregulated market. But my role as an officer in uh, the Missouri company is uh, in a regulated environment. So we have the right to serve and we have the obligation to serve customers in the Missouri geographic area. So when you think about market share, in the regulated space where, you know, you're not really uh, competing for customers. You know, what, what you have really a couple things, there's this notion of grid defection. And you probably heard more about that in the past than you do now, but grid defection where customers in theory develop customer owned distributed energy resources. And they basically generate their own supply. So in generating their own supply, obviously that's a bit of a business risk to us because we think we can do it better. And in Missouri, we are very affordable, uh, especially against our peers. And we're also developing more renewable energy options for our customers. So that helps us maintain the provider of choice in Missouri. The other dynamic I'll speak to when you think about uh, market share 
is uh, just innovative evolution of energy efficiency. I mean, just over time. I mean, you think about Lowe's or Home Depot, whatever, but, you know, washers, dryers, you know, even, you know, other, just anything electric that was already electric is more efficient. What you bought 20 years ago does not use the same amount of energy it does today. And this is not a bad thing. We uh, support anything becoming more energy efficient. We call that efficient electrification. And where it exists now, as the, the devices I, I mentioned, is good. But we also want to help drive innovation where it does not exist. So there are many opportunities that remain to leverage the benefits of electrical energy. The market share then, the way we see it, it's about the continued evolution of the use of electricity to power the quality of life for our customers and our communities in an equitable and just fashion. Okay, so then growing market share is really basically an economic development question here. It's how to basically grow the economy in your territory to maintain and capture new business as the form of market share. So I guess you want to woo new projects by attracting community growth and industry and commercial activity growth. All these are important characteristics of a thriving, you know, territory. Am I accurate here? Yes, you are. And, and we certainly do, I mean, want to uh, attract investment and, and new businesses. And there's a correlation between growing energy demand and economic development. And thinking about this, for some of our residential customers, energy costs can typically run in the background. And that's generally because the Missouri rates have been among the most affordable in the Midwest at Amherst. These costs become more of a focus for our commercial customers, our industrial customers, and our residential customers navigating some economically disadvantaged circumstances. But as we attract new business and industry, the fixed costs that everyone shares, the fixed costs of the grid are spread across more participants, and it lowers the cost for all customers. So we basically call this lowering the revenue requirement. Now, with that said, currently, I know we're all feeling, and some certainly more than others, the impacts. You got the macroeconomic and geopolitical factors that are driving increased costs for everything. I mean, food, right? Gas, energy. And Amherst, Missouri is sensitive uh, to these issues. So I, I just have to really put this plug out there that for anyone listening, if that's an issue, energy bill assistance resources can be found on our website. So I'll, we want to remain, keep a lens on that and be sensitive to that. But even in this challenging market environment, economic development is good for energy rates because it lowers the revenue requirement for all customers. And that's in addition to all the quality of life benefits that economic development brings to a community. I mean, I find this topic fascinating. So I really want to understand more about how you interact with your counterparts at other utilities, because at the end of the day, if a community or a corporation wants to settle down on a certain site, there's a desire to win that business and have them settle down in your site versus another site. So are you keeping more of your offerings and strategies close to the chest to keep the competitive advantage? Or is there still a sense of collaboration across the industry players when it comes to economic development? Yeah, that, I mean, that's, that's a, a terribly interesting question. And, and so as I, as I think about it, I mean, there's always some element of proprietary thought and innovation, I mean, in any industry, right? But I would suggest it is less among utility companies uh, than other commercial entities. And, and the reason I'm, I'm saying that, I mean, given the 
defined service areas. The competition for existing customers is minimal. Now it does exist on the edges of the service areas when you're dealing with co-ops. There's some uh, some skirmishes along those areas there for some competitive areas, but basically it's uh, it's pretty static. And major material, uh, utilities probably mostly compete for capital investment. So, so that's, that's one of the things for capital investment. And the other is, as you mentioned, uh, Jason, for business attraction into the service area. Now this has become really more intense with the growth of the uh, electric vehicle market because they come with such a robust supply chain industry. And I'm gonna tell you, some of these battery manufacturing plants, you know, they're coming in at 1 billion, 2.3, 2.5 billion dollar investments with pretty good paying jobs. So there's a lot of competition for those type of businesses and even some of the smaller stuff. So, so that's where you see the competition. Where you see the collaboration uh, among utilities, you see it, uh, and you're familiar with uh, EEI, Edison Electric Institute, association that represents all utilities. I'll give you a quick, great example of just a recent collaboration, and that was with the uh, National Electric Highway Coalition. And really, that's really leaning in on uh, collaborating across states, across electric companies to join in on a memorandum of understanding that uh, we're committing to providing EV fast charging, you know, across these uh, highway corridors. Because when you think about being successful, you have to dispel that range anxiety that any consumer might have. And if folks want to travel, uh, they need to feel comfortable traveling from state to state. All right. So back to your title, because I'm really, I'm still fascinated with all the different hard hats you wear, as you noted. So you're a business developer, you're a economic developer, but you're also a, in essence, a community developer. So talk to us, what are the typical roles and activities around the, I guess you would put under the category of community development? Yeah, and the community development piece is part of our economic development framework. And I'll, I'll couch it like this. When you talk about the economic development piece, it's the piece right now for 2022 it's really driving us toward our targets, our revenue targets. And, but you're starting to see the economy cool off, right? Just from organic influences, you know, just how economies work, right? But also from uh, federal monetary policy, interest rate increases. So it's just slowing things down. But we're focused on uh, business retention and expansion, the most reliable and cost-effective economic development, because you're working with people who are already there to help them grow, stay where they're at and expand. And so there's less risk. Business attraction, just talked about that a bit, so I won't go into that, but, you know, to land one of the uh, larger battery plants or other companies, that's a big deal. One of the little uh, unknowns that has really moved to the front is site development. And this is just having uh, sites that are ready to go with infrastructure and the right amount of acreage, you know, rail, interstate waterways, electric gas, sewer, water, and then labor. Having your enterprise where there are people who will work is a key one. But it all is wrapped around, you know, our community engagement team and, and our community engagement team creates the relationships to help us engage early in these opportunities and understand how we can pull people together to help drive collaboration, at least in our market, to get more things done. And the other piece, and I'll wrap with this, the other piece it does is to help us ensure that we're fostering inclusive economic growth meaning that uh, we have a lens on, you know, the entirety of our service area and to uh, make sure everyone is competing. Great. Well, 
Patrick, why don't you share with us? I mean, I have a general idea of what the answer may be, but I'd really love to hear from you. What does good look like? What? How do you measure success? So yeah, and I touched on it earlier. Just the core mission is just to generate new net revenue to offset the expense. And uh, we have a great deal of grid modernization investment. Uh, and, you know, that basically the way people live, work, and play now is to the benefit of the folks in Missouri and even in Illinois. But, you know, we have to offset this type of uh, investment so that uh, we don't have rates that can increase beyond what our customers can afford. So we're generating revenue that we take to the top line on the income statement and help drive down these costs. And our target is for myself and our team, by 2025, we have a goal of achieving $75 million in recurring new net revenue. And that increases every year. And the uh, 2026 goal is $86.6 million. We'll uh, travel along right there with increasingly uh, larger sums of recurring revenue, but that's how we're measured on being successful. Interesting. So this area is also fascinating. I'd love it if you could make it a bit more tangible and give us a use case. So for our audience, okay. can you talk about any specific projects you work to get into the Ameren service territory and what that process looked like? from initial bidding to identifying opportunities for the customer and overall the ultimate decision-making process on your end and their end. Yeah, I can. And sometimes it'll be a two or three year process. You know, it'll start with a business lead and, you know, that's why the relationships are important. It might start with uh, some of our uh, business development executives being out at a conference and understanding. It might start with uh, business intelligence coming back from, you know, the uh, state government coming back from a trade mission. But understanding that uh, people are marketing Missouri, not only across the country, but across the world. And we're looking to leverage and uh, follow up on those insights. And so we've had 10 wins, uh, what we call bringing new uh, industry to the state just this year. But I'll, I'll talk about one good example. It's uh, an international company. It was already here, but their work is WEG Transformers. So they build large transformers that you might see in substations. And what's interesting about, you know, how we engage this customer uh, with our key account executive and understanding what they need. Now, our smart energy plan, grid investment, actually drove an increase in the demand for their product. So the legislation we were able to achieve and then the investment plan, it created a demand for them to create more product. And because of that, they had an opportunity to expand. And in expanding and growing their business, we also had our economic development incentive there for them. And it's one of the best economic development incentives in the nation. It was able to help them expand with a number of years of reduced energy rates, but they were providing some valuable uh, jobs and a tax base into the local com and state community. A couple other quick points of interest, energy efficiency team created a pay-as-you-save program and we call it PAGE. And this is interesting because heat pumps and, you know, you can uh, you put caulking and things, you think about energy efficiency and put some more insulation in here. But those major deals, what you're talking uh, HVAC and heat pumps, you know, sometimes the entire service area can't participate because you just don't have the upfront capital. So this pay as you save program, we incur all of those upfront costs and the customer can pay just on uh, installments in their monthly bill. So now you get the benefit of uh, everyone participating 
and getting the energy uh, efficiency benefits that previously were not available to them. That's something, as I read the uh, Biden executive order, it's directly written in that executive order to increase HVAC production. And uh, so I think there's some good alignment there. Yeah, that leads to my next question, which is really about the future of the grid. You know, so we're talking about someone who, you know, like yourself, knows the landscape of the utilities and your territory better than anyone, especially when it relates to clean energy goals, distributed assets, new technologies on the grid, and much more. So what are you doing and how is the modernization of the grid and the evolution of utility priorities impacting your focus from a BD and ED standpoint? Yeah, you know, the, what I've noticed, and I've been in the uh, industry for 37 years or so, and probably had an awareness of what was going on for at least 25 of them. And the evolution uh, cycle just gotten faster. I mean, things are changing now much faster than they did in the past. And you can just point to labor and utility companies like Ameren and others across the country. I mean, it's just just filled with folks with 35 years and 40 years. And now you're seeing these you know, talent come in now, you know, they'll give you five, seven years and they want to go, want to go do something else. So just like it is with labor, it's, it's like that with everything. And because of that, we like to envision CETUS, our, our team, as a conservative mutual growth fund for Ameren, Missouri. And what that means is we remain nimble and poised to allocate and reallocate any of our five value drivers that I mentioned earlier to exploit the current and emergent market and regulatory conditions. And the reason for that is because they change. I mean, just earlier, I mean, the economy is changing every day. And maybe next year, I said it was our biggest driver, maybe in 23 or 24, it won't be. And uh, we'll have to uh, get our new net revenue and subscriber renewables or electrification. So that's our business model to be nimble and poised and allocate and reallocate resources to any of our five value drivers. But to best do this, we need to be able to exploit all five options and they need to all be viable. And so the one that's really not as viable now is the products and services. And so we're, we're putting some focus on trying to have a win there. Now we acknowledge continued evolution in every of the uh, value streams, but economic development has been fairly successful, demonstrated success, efficient electrification. We've done well there. Subscriber renewables, we have a lot of solar out there, but they've had big, significant wins and demonstrated ability to create revenue. And to my point, we've not yet had a significant regulatory milestone or approval with our new products and services. So we're really leaning in there to help build out our model. So that's kind of how we uh, look at it, just ensuring we have a model that can provide robust revenue streams in any kind of market. And so when I Look at this, the way we aim to model is just take a 4-1 approach. And so that's ensuring we're focusing maybe on the vital few, four or five things. And then we always have that one thing that uh, is leaning into an aspirational objective. You know, that can be a quantum leap for the business. We just don't want to be incremental. And I'll put it in this way, if, if either of you are golfers, if you can envision, so, so five holes, uh, four of the holes are just straight par fours. You can stand at the tee. You can clearly see the flag. You know, there might be a sand trap here or there, but you can see where you're going. And then we always have that one dog leg par five. So you can't see the flag. I mean, you know, it's out there, but you don't know where. 
And that's our aspirational piece. You know, it's out of sight, but from our early vantage point, we're not there. And so we just know we have to work directionally to get there. So we, we'd like to keep something on the table for that. So for us, it's about flexibility, focus with a far-sighted view. I like that. And I like the analogy. Patrick, we're going to give you the, the final word, the last word in this podcast. But before we get to it, we have what's called the lightning round. It's where we have an opportunity to learn more about the people driving the energy industry. So in this lightning round, we will ask you a few questions and you'll limit it to one word or phrase. Are okay. you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Okay, let's get going. Is there an app on your phone you couldn't live without? Waze, W-A-Z-E. <laughs> What's your preferred way to wind down after a long day at the office? Watching Family Feud. Who do you look up to? Most definitely my father. What would be an alternative career path if you hadn't found yourself in the energy industry? Oh, I would be coaching basketball for sure. What are you most optimistic about? The recovery from so much trauma, political, health, financial safety. I mean, it has to happen at some point. Fantastic. All right. So you expertly navigated the lightning round, which means we are here to give you the final word of the podcast. And knowing that your peers and partners across the industry are listening in, what is the final takeaway message that you hope that they take away from today's conversation? Yeah, I've said a lot of things, some some technical things. I just tried to be be a bit transparent. You know, it's, I'm still learning a lot about that area. And, you know, I just appreciate this opportunity to share some of what we do. And uh, let's also be clear, I'm here today as a proxy for many talented people, and I'm lucky to work uh, with on these missions. But I'll leave with this quick antidote. So one of my teams in the past, we initiated initiated a thing called Patriot Games. And it's motivated by what I perceive the New England Patriots business model to be, which, you know, we all know resulted in at least six Super Bowl wins. And so I just watched and I saw their coach, Bill Belichick. And as I watched how he did things year after year, he seemed to focus on raising the floor of an organization year after year, raising the floor. And I mean, relatively speaking, always and, and his worst players were always better always better than everyone else's worst player. He had a star too, of course, but his investment was really in the marginal and the ordinary. It really it was epiphany for me. It's kind of clear to me that this, at least in my humble opinion, is the best way to deliver benefits for all. So what I'm saying is there is a tremendous amount of attention and resources that is allocated to the top, the high potential employee, the best employees, the you know, the, the areas where business is growing, you know, near the stadiums and this and that, this and that. But I would ask my colleagues and, and other leaders to consider disrupting that trend and investing in the box with your coworkers, in your communities, and your investment plans. Inclusive economic growth is sustainable economic growth. So thanks for having me. Absolutely. Appreciate your insight. We certainly enjoyed learning from your experience and expertise, and I know that our community members will feel the same as well. So if listeners have comments or questions, we encourage you to leave them at the Energy Central podcast post where you can learn and more and keep the conversation going. And until then, thank you so much, Patrick Smith, VP of Economic Community and Business Development at Ameren, Missouri. Thank you for your insight and sharing your wisdom today. Yeah, I had a great time and I appreciated uh, the opportunity to share.
We also want to give a quick shout out to our podcast sponsor that made today's episode possible. Thanks to West Monroe. West Monroe works with the nation's largest electric, gas, and water utilities in their telecommunication, grid modernization, and digital and workforce transformations. West Monroe brings a multidisciplinary team that blends utility, operations, and technology expertise to address modernizing aging infrastructure, advisory on transportation electrification, ADMS deployments, data and analytics, and cybersecurity. And once again, I'm your host, Jason Price. Plug in and stay fully charged in the discussion by hopping into the community at energycentral.com. And we'll see you next time at the Energy Central Power Perspectives Podcast. Mm-hmm.